everyone cooperate steps because uh, it's anticipated that the curfew will be put into effect uh, tomorrow night. I think that uh, the law enforcement people, fire personnel, National Guard, Sheriff's Department, and all of the others who are joining in a coordinated effort are going to be able to keep this situation under control. on the um, ostensibly a baseball podcast, but lately more of a coronavirus slash end of times podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Tonight is Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you uh, from a burning Brooklyn, New York. Uh, My hot take today is lifted from um, friend of the podcast blog, Too Old to Fly. Um, And the hot take, which is, again, giving all credit to Too Old to Fly here. The hot take is that Donald Trump is trying to whip up uh, race riots so that he can use them as an excuse to deploy the active military to cities all around the country under the guise of restoring order, which he will then leave there to use uh, when he decides to shut down the 2020 elections. Um, So he's going to garrison active military throughout the country and use them to shut down the 2020 elections and install himself as dictator for life. Lovely. Yeah. Great. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. I have read lots of things about how Trump sees himself as kind of Richard Nixon. And Nixon won the presidential election in 1968 based on stoking racial uh, fears. That was the year of Martin Luther Kennedy's assassination. That was the year of Robert Kennedy's assassination. And Nixon kind of was able to stir up enough racial resentment using the Southern strategy to get himself elected that year. Right. I think Trump thinks he can do that. But big difference is that Trump is the guy in charge. Right. Nixon was not in charge when he ran that campaign. Yeah. Um, the, you know, Lyndon Baines Johnson and the Democrats had all three branches of the government in 68. So Nixon yep. could, you know, make the claim that they were doing a bad job restoring law and order. Right. Um, you know? So, yeah. Yep. 
at the, at the end of the day, Trump has nobody to blame but himself for the shit show that we're going through. Right. Yeah. Both coronavirus and civil unrest. And uh, economic collapse. Right, and economic collapse. But, yeah. Yeah. The big three, as I like big to call three. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even our walk-up music from Sublime, which is still one of my favorite songs. Uh, that's, you know, April 26, 1992, later that year, Bill Clinton would get elected president because George H.W. Bush was L.A. riots over the Rodney King. Right. Yeah, hopefully this all will, like, whip up the left vote, hopefully. I, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying that it's not so much that people, when you say, hey, we need law and order, I think it's less that people will blame the left than people will tend to blame whoever's in charge. Yeah. Trump can't pass the buck on this one. Right. I also feel like, I know, and he's trying to pass the buck on to governors. Right. And mayors. Um, yeah. I was speaking with my father, who was concerned that the violent nature of the protests is going to push people from the middle to the right. That's what I've heard a lot about. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, believe, I don't believe that's true, because I don't feel like there are a lot of undecided voters right now. Very few. Yeah. And I feel like even if that's the case, even if some people are afraid enough to like vote a law and order Trump, in 2020, he's going to lose more votes based on the fact that the economy fucking sucks. I think anyway. Yeah, well, imagine being an undecided voter at, on June 2nd, 2020. What the <laughs> <fuck>? Yeah. <laughs> like, eh, I don't know, man. Like, right. <laughs> I just came out of a 10-year coma. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure who I'm voting for. I'm like, oh, Donald Trump? I've heard of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he just have his first season of reality television? <laughs> he was a guy on Home Alone, too. <laughs> yep. That is your undecided voter right That's there. Undecided voter. Who sadly might end up being the most important voters in the country. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna vote libertarian because they're both crooks. They're all crooks. They're all crooks. All right. Um, we'll expect a lot more of that. I thought I had this thought today, Sam. Nobody can tell us to stick to sports because there's no fucking sports to stick to. Right. Well, also, we don't listen to anybody. So. True. Yeah. <laughs> Like, talk all you want, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> We're not listening. Uh, my hot take for today, Squirrel Olympics. All right? This is going to be the, the happiest part of the entire podcast. Some motherfucker in England set up an obstacle course for the squirrels in his backyard and filmed them and had them competing against each other to see who could finish the obstacle courses the fastest. Huh. This 
man is the smartest man of the quarantine. Right. Smartest man in England, anyway. At least. At least. <laughs> yeah. I got Possibly me the whole United Kingdom. Well, like, if all sports are shut down, let's just do, like, squirrel racing in your backyard. You can right. get that. You know? I don't advocate any violence against animals, but squirrel racing seems fine. Sure. Set up, uh, with, you know, the rabbit high jump. That would be great. Oh, okay. Yeah. As soon as you finish your thing, I have an animal thing. Okay, yeah. You go, though. You, you don't know. That's about it. You get the idea, right? What other Red Wolf-style Olympic events set up for backyard friends? No, no, no. This is, this is like, way darker than what you were talking about. <laughs> so. Damn it, Sam. I was trying to add levity. <laughs> What you should do is, like, set up a cat obstacle course for your cats. And okay. then, like, challenge him via Twitter. My like, cat. Oh, your no. cats v his squirrels. You have, like, a standardized, like, a standardized obstacle course, right? Right. And then you, everyone just, like, picks a different small animal to like run through the same obstacle course and then pretty good idea yeah you put it on twitch man you like make money off that shit right yeah those are the hustlers i assume uh, i mean i don't know how it, twitch works actually but. there have been lots of cool i don't know what it's called like the empty bottle challenge or something like that shout out to the empty bottle in chicago um but you put all the empty you know, for non-alcoholics, it's like shampoo and like conditioner bottles. For folks like us, it's beer bottles. Right. Or like have a cat. One seven five whiskey bottles. Yeah, exactly. Right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine's right there. Yeah, I'm all uh, that. <laughs> uh, you set up all these bottles, and then you film your cat walking through it, and the cat. We'll, like, find a path through the bottles, and then you call your dog, and your dog will come, will freak out, because he wants to be with you, and then he'll just knock all the bottles down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Makes me wish I had a dog. Yeah, dogs are good. Yeah, dogs are great. Yeah. Um... All right, so ladies and gentlemen, yo, uh, shout Wait, out. No, hold on, let me do my animal thing. Okay, yeah. Because it's fucked up. Okay. Dogs are great. Rats are not so great. Uh, oh. And, you know, I live in Brooklyn, right? Rats are Capital just trying to survive. America, probably, right? Probably. Yeah. So there's a huge problem with rats in Brooklyn right now because all the restaurants are shut down which means like a large portion of the food garbage that goes out at the end of the night is gone, which yeah. means that there is a food shortage for the city's rat population. And there was like uh, just recently, like last week or two weeks ago, they set out this thing that was like, you have to be careful because rats are becoming, and this is a quote, hyper aggressive. Yeah. So <clears throat> imagine like a disgusting, you know, two foot long New York City rat becoming hyper aggressive. They're also anyway, the cannibalism. Right. Yeah. 
and they're and they're just like out where they're not usually and that's where the story comes from because i ride my bike every day um to and from work or wherever i'm going and the streets are like covered with rats that have been run over by cars it's like 25 per block it's fucking crazy yeah that's nasty yeah it's fucking wow and like it's just like in a month from now if this shit's still going on and the rats are like kamikazeing into the street in front of cars there's Mm going to be such a crazy fly problem yeah it's not really fly season yet but there's already like they're just fucking crawling with flies it's disgusting damn yeah 2020 baby that's what i'm talking about oh okay on that note shout out to everyone who listened to our episodes from last week i listened to our a blog it's pretty good check out the a blog we talk about michael jordan we talk about tom brady uh uh and his propaganda campaign i have not yet listened to our c blog it's got uh dark and drunk yeah, uh, check, yeah, check that out. Uh, thanks to everybody who listened last week. Cincinnati, Ohio, Cary, Illinois, Monticello, Illinois, Dublin, Ireland, Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, Burlington, New Jersey, New Orleans, Louisiana, Barcelona, Spain. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please continue to do so. Uh, if you listen to us on Apple iTunes, give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. Check us out on Twitter or on Facebook at Dump on the Ump. You can also check us out on either Spotify or SoundCloud. So uh, this evening, we're going to, this is the A block, but we're going to kind of focus on one headline and see see where it takes us. Um, obviously, there's no sports going on, but multiple sports leagues are trying to restart, and that's a topic we've been talking about a lot lately. Uh, and, of course, the one that we're going to focus on today is Major League Baseball. So, Sam, will you read our headline and see, yeah. see, see how it goes? I will. Uh, also, if you don't say Barcelona, you're probably going to lose. I'm sorry, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yep, yeah. that's true. Barcelona. Barcelona, Spain. yeah. Las Ramblas, La Sagrada Familia, Barcelona, Viva la Revolución. Right. Um, Mike, what? Oh, shit. shit, shit, shit. We love Messi. Francisco Franco, that little piece of shit. Right. There you go. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of helicopters flying over right now. They're flying really low these days. So if it gets really loud, just let me know. Um, Damn. Can you hear that or no? I cannot hear that. But okay, good. Good, good, good. That was a, that was a cool dystopian <laughs> police state thing <laughs> It just got really loud in here all of a sudden. <laughs> it's got, they're gone now. They, they've moved on. But <laughs> the helicopters, are they're like flying all the time and they're really low as like an intimidation sort of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. fucked up. Show of force. I know. Right. I know. Yeah. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Fuck the police. Black Lives Matter. Today is Blackout Day. Everybody keep marching. Stay safe, though. Coronavirus ain't gone. Right. That's something I've been worrying about. Yeah. I support the folks in the street. We should be protesting, but I would want social distancing at the same time. 
I, uh, I, w- I went out and protested yesterday, actually. And uh, it was interesting because all it was like protesters were wearing masks, right? What? Like, got a mask. Only about half the cops were wearing masks. Oh, that was like it was like a weird. Um, I mean, if if that if half the cops were wearing masks, it was like a weird kind of like. I don't know. It felt like a blue red thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Right. Uh, rather than a black blue thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Serious. I know what you mean. I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, moving on to baseball. Baseball and baseball negotiations and yeah. millionaires v billionaires. Yeah, here uh, we go. Here we go. Um, so we're going to talk about this kind of in a more broad spec- spectrum, but we are going to start off with this kind of weird thought that I had because um, I've been reading a lot of the coverage, and that is that the MLB owners can't get their shit together. Right. Um, with MLB, MLB, PA negotiations dragging on in the 2020 season looking further and further away the lamestream media looking at you at espn and some prominent uh ex-baseball players namely tom glavin and mark Teixeira, who fucking yes right get his foot out of his mouth yeah um are starting to cast shade in the direction of the players union uh, who have thus far have been staunch in their refusal of every financial option that the league has sent their way. However, <clears throat> the less reported situation is the confusion and discord that is prevalent in the owner's camp. There's a faction of owners who are, quote, content to shut down baseball for the season, just outright shut it down. Um, and then the flip side of that is that there are teams that are trying to really make it happen this year. Um, and teams are far away, far from consistent in their stance on anything, um, from the player salary negotiations to whether or not they're willing to pay their rent to how many of their stadium, uh, employees they're furloughing front office staff that they're furloughing. Um, it's, it's not consistent across the league. Um, the teams seem to have put full negotiating, negotiating power in the hands of Rob Manfred and are taking their opinions to the um, media and kind of muddying the waters that way. Most recently, the Cubs owner, Tom Ricketts, who's a big, Joel's a big fan of his, um, he wrote to the media and claimed that baseball teams aren't actually profitable for owners and any profit that the team makes goes directly back into the team and they have no sort of like backstop for a work stoppage like this coronavirus pandemic, um, which is just it's just his way of saying that he thinks that all Major League Baseball fans are fucking idiots and will just like believe him when he says that he doesn't have any money. So there's like I have three questions for you, Joel. Uh, the first is how much do you hate Tom Ricketts? The second is, what would you like to say to Tom Ricketts right now? Uh, and then the third, I'm going to ask you after you go go into that first two. Man, I fucking hate Tom Ricketts so much. He is such a piece of shit. And if I 
could say anything to him right now, it would be, you are such a piece of shit. That would be the first thing I would say. The second thing you already mentioned, though, is that he thinks baseball fans are fucking idiots. Right. First of all, he may be correct about that, but he is definitely acting as if they are idiots. Right. Something we've talked about on this podcast a lot, and I do want to restart the Your Owner Sucks uh, series because I think it relates to this, is that so many uh, sports teams and sports franchises are purchased by millionaires and billionaires as toys, right? As status symbols. And I bring that up because... Ricketts is claiming that that baseball teams aren't actually profitable. Motherfucker, they are not your number one source of income. Right. You know that. Right. Right. Only a very small amount of sports team owners depend on their sports teams as their number one source of revenue. Right. And that tends to be teams named the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a basketball team. Yeah. Oh, yes. But that's a family-owned team. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. The buses depend upon the Lakers for income, essentially. Right. Everybody else, you're just buying a a shiny-ass bobble. So that's point number one. We know, Tom Ricketts, you're a billionaire. We know that you're a billionaire not because you own the Chicago Cubs. And we know that your brother is the governor of Nebraska. So, you know, I'm sick and fucking tired of, of millionaires and billionaires. I'm doing my best Bernie Sanders right now. Coming, right. Uh, you know, claiming poverty as soon as they don't want to dip into their pockets for, for something. Right. Long story short, they're full of shit. And we shouldn't believe this. Right. Well, and also, like, how disconnected is Tom Ricketts? To be like, oh, I'm only clearing like five hundred million dollars on this season. Like right. that's not profit. Like that's not a profitable business because I'm only making five hundred million dollars in profit this year, or whatever it is. Like, say he's only making five million dollars in profit. Like that's a shitload of money. You know what I mean? Right. To us, not to him. Right. But like, how dis? Like, yeah. it's like. It's not like us versus him. It's like him, like his perception of money versus 99% of the fucking world's perception of money. You, you know could what I mean? live a life on $500 million. Right. The other issue is the thing that we know, right? Because a lot of what the owners keep fucking saying is, well, you know, we've got the books that they don't share and they're not legally obliged to share because they're private uh, entities, they're saying, you know, we're looking at our books and, and we're not making money. But what we know as a fact is that revenue for Major League Baseball has continued to rise year after year after year. Last year, it made $9.9 billion. MLB revenue for 2019 was a shade under $10 billion. Which right. is by far the highest it has ever been. Right. So, like, all this hand-wringing is bullshit. You have a profitable institution. If 
you're not making money off of this, Tom Wicket. That's your fault for not right. being. <laughs> That's you being a shitty businessman. That's you, that yeah. shitty business. If you can't take like if you can't take a major league baseball team and make money off it, then you should probably run for president. Like exactly. W. Bush. Yeah. <laughs> Like you run your baseball right. team in the and then become both at wedding sports franchises. Right. <laughs> exactly. God damn. It's it's it, yeah, it's that. Um the other question I have, and I don't have a good answer, I have some ideas and not an answer about this, is why is baseball seem more um, dysfunctional than either the NBA or hockey at this point in terms of restarting their season? Well, it has to do with the labor contracts and also the history of labor negotiations. Right. Um, and it, I think, to me anyway, it seems that it's it's an unfair situation to be like, oh, the NFL and the NBA have, like, it's a better system. But it's like the NFL and the NBA both profit, or not profit, they are beneficiaries of the fact that Major League Baseball players are so intensely aggressive uh -huh. with their stance on labor negotiations. Right. Um, because... You know, it's people often don't realize that, like, up until the 70s, if you were a Major League Baseball player, your contract and your professional life were owned by the team that you signed your first contract with. Right. And if you, your contract was up and you wanted more money and they weren't willing to give you more money, then they could just hold your contract and you wouldn't be able to go and sign with another team without them releasing your contract to that other team. Like major league baseball players like fought very hard for free agency. Um, and, and the, the league has come after that multiple times since then trying to impose a salary cap salary caps and uh, kind of rescinding some of the rights that the players union had fought so hard to get in the first place. Um, side note, uh, um, and I should probably mention this off air, but I'm going to mention it on air. I would love to do like a beat block book club about that. Right. I don't know what book would be actually, because that's like Reggie Jackson, right? Was yeah. he the first free agent in the 1970s? Reggie Jackson was the first player to make a million dollars a year, I think. Okay, so but he wasn't—he wasn't the one who like fought for free agency. I think he was like the first real benefit. I think he was the first one that like it was a Steinbrenner. I think who was like, okay, we are gonna pay him right. the amount of money. Yeah, because they talked about that in the. Uh, he was playing for Baltimore when free agency became a thing, and uh -huh. he asked—he asked for a contract, like a four-year contract at $100,000 a year. And Baltimore was like, that's crazy. And then, you know, uh, uh, in the book, he was like, 
if we could get Reggie Jackson for a hundred million dollars a year, I mean a hundred thousand dollars a year now. Is that the Earl Weaver book? Yeah, Earl Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, if we could get Reggie Jackson for a hundred thousand dollars a year, we would be the smartest team in baseball because it like it happened kind of quickly. But at the beginning, people weren't didn't quite believe it. No, I want to. I want to. If anybody listening to this podcast can get in touch with us and, and give us a good book on how uh, MLB players were able to get out of the reserve clause and get their rights as free agents and like that story, that's a story I really want to learn more about. And it, hap- it happened it. in the courts. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it was uh, fuck. I used to know his name. Can't remember his name. He's like one of the heroes. Of, he's I think he just, like he's not in the Hall of Fame. They haven't put him in the Hall of Fame because the league like won't do it. But like they're trying to get him in the Hall of Fame. Right. Or maybe um, he just went into the Hall of Fame last year. I can't fucking remember. Harold Baines? No. Um also, uh shout out to a friend Jay who I've got to reach out to because the other issue like this would be of his wheelhouse, I feel like. And, um, oh, the 68-69 season, just thinking about the effects of the, you know, civil rights riots in baseball right now. That's something we should be talking about. Right. Yeah. Um, and there was a quote. So, something I read about today was that the Oakland Athletics have stopped paying their minor league players their $400 weekly stipend. And that other baseball teams may soon be following suit. Right. I got two questions about this. I don't know if I can answer either one. One is, are the owners really united on their approach to the 2020 MLB season? That's Option no. no. Right. That was the whole point of my first spiel. That's okay. If you want to go in that direction, you can go in that direction. The other direction, if you want to, is this the end of minor league baseball as we know it? Um, well, it's definitely the end of minor league baseball as we know it for the next few seasons, right? Because right. It's not only the end of minor league baseball, it's the end of college baseball as we know it for the next few years, right? Because they like, they're instead of 30 rounds or how many rounds? They cut it down to five rounds. It used to be 30 or 40 rounds. The draft. Yeah. Yeah. Draft, you mean. (laughs) Of the draft. And they cut it down. And now, so even if it's just this year, that's. 25 times 30, like 600, 700 players that aren't going to be in, in the system this year. Yeah. So, you know, and however many of those are college kids will probably go back to college, right? And get their dentistry degrees. Right. And, yeah. or like maintain their scholarships, which means that all of those Maybe. high school kids who didn't go in the draft either are going to be trying to go to college, but they're not going to be able to get scholarships because uh-huh. 
And they're getting yeah. their dentistry degrees. No, because they won't be able to pay for college. Oh, right. Because right. they won't be so able they to get scholarships go to because, college. Schools, because schools won't have enough money to give new scholarships yeah. to the kids because the kids that would be going into the minor leagues are no longer going to be able to go into the minor leagues. Yep. So, um, so they just join white supremacist groups on the streets. Yeah, or, you know, maybe not. <laughs> maybe they go, you know, work for Habitat for Humanity or <clears throat> the Peace Corps. I don't know. Like, maybe they do something good. Okay. Yeah. Like the I, feel like, that is that I feel like if you're an 18-year-old unemployed white male who's good at baseball but can't go to college. Right. Because you're from Oklahoma. Because you're from Oklahoma. Right. Or like Louisiana. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. God. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, why is there a disunion, a disagreement amongst the MLB baseball owners, right? Well, I think that, you know, like you said, there's some owners that are more invested in their teams and some who just kind of see them as like flashy Rolexes, you know, yeah. that pay for themselves. Like, well, I hate yeah. the Yankees, but I, w- I think Steinbrenner is probably trying to get the season started. You'd think so. Yeah. Um, I think that there's like a, a, I mean, there's definitely a different level of investment, even if it's not financial, like personal investment in people who care about their teams, you know? Yeah. Like the Red Sox ownership, fabulously ridiculous billionaire, wealthy ownership very invested mm-hmm. in the success of the team. Well, except for maybe until this year. Um, right. They've like like put the money in to win World Series, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, then there are other teams that like, I don't know, Milwaukee or Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Or, um, And not Arizona. I guess they try, kind of. Cincinnati. Miami. The entire, like, AL and NL Central. Um, <laughs> Dude, yeah, White Sox, Jerry Leinstein. I don't know what the hell Jerry Leinstein is doing. <clears throat> he, he has gotten a lot of shit from the Chicago Bulls documentary. Oh, really? It's mostly deserved. Have you been secretly watching that, even though we no, don't like shit about it? I have not week? been secretly watching it. I plan to secretly watch it in the future. Oh, you do? I, <laughs> I have not been secretly watching it. But not as of any kind of principle. It's mostly because, like, I canceled my ESPN subscription and haven't restarted it yet. Right. Because yeah. ESPN's out together, Sam. We're out to get ESPN. I know. <laughs> They're afraid. Right. And this was my other question, right? Because it seems like there's a lot of talking heads that are like, oh, the players are really fucking this negotiation up. And the players are alienating the fans. And the players are, like, being greedy. And 
I feel like there's not an equal like coverage of like, oh, the owners are fucking this up and the owners are being yeah. greedy and like, you know, everything that's like I read all these reports of um, proposals that are sent from Major League Baseball to the Players Association and how they're rejected. But it's like you have to work to try to find coverage of the proposals that are sent from the Players Association to Major League Baseball. And it's like, you know, if you're paying close attention, do you feel like the billionaires at Disney who probably own, have an ownership stake somewhere in Major League Baseball are like pressuring this coverage to kind of skew it against the players? Right. Right, I agree with that. And we read today the players sent a proposal to the owners for 112 game season at a prorated rate, which the owners have rejected and responded with a 50 game proposal at a non prorated rate. They still are insisting that the MLB players take a pay cut. No, they're both prorated. Are they both prorated? Yeah. Okay. So the players are accepting a prorated salary based on games played, Mm -hmm. and they want more games played. And Major League Baseball has been pushing for a prorated salary with a pay cut based on games played. And the most recent proposal by Major League Baseball to the Players Association has been no pay cut with a prorated salary for a less a lesser amount games played. Hmm. Why would not the the owners accept a 112 game season? Uh, because they are projecting a loss on every single game. Because there's no fans with a prorated salary. Right. Yeah, because there's no fans. Right. Which seems, I mean, I feel like a longer season, there's like more of a chance of getting fans into the stadium. Um, I know that Texas, the state of Texas, has approved uh, major, like, sports games, like major league sports games to have 25% attendance. Um Interesting. Here are some stats. This is from 538.com. So I was talking earlier that in 2020, MLB made $9.9 billion in revenue. It's estimated that $2.8 billion of that, so more than a quarter of that revenue, was from gate receipts. An additional $1.65 billion, or let's say 15% of that, was from concessions and parking. So what the owners are looking at is that 40% of their revenue from 2019 was from physical human beings coming to baseball games. Which is not a possibility in 2020. At least not for every single game. Right. 
and even excuse me, hold on. Even at best, you're working at twenty five percent capacity. Right. One of Miami Marlins would not be a big deal. Right. <laughs> Which for the Miami Marlins would yeah, they wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Right. right. And also like certain other teams like you know, the Yankees and the Mets. Well, less so the Mets, but definitely the Yankees. Most of the people go to those games on the subway. Like, parking is less of a thing for certain Uh teams. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a, like, across the board, they're saying. But, like, those numbers affect different teams in different ways, you know? Like, maybe everyone is making the same amount of money in concessions, but, like, not everyone's paying for parking you know, in, like, these urban stadiums. Like, the Miami stadium's right downtown, too, you know? That's really interesting. Um, As a side note, because when I lived in Chicago, I'd always take the red line to get to White Sox games. Right. Uh, But now, since I've lived in Champaign, I drive and I pay for parking. Right. That's an interesting, like, like, commuter thing. But do you pay for parking at the stadium, or do you pay for, like, city parking? I pay for parking at the stadium because it's pretty cheap. It's, like, 25 bucks or something like right. that. Right. Like, it's, it's, like, it, especially, like, and this is something I missed so badly, was, you know, going to a Sunday day game, I could drive up from Champaign to Chicago you just get off the freeway and you're there at the stadium, pay for, you know, 25 bucks for parking, go to the game, get back in my car, drive home. Right. In Boston, there's, like, no parking. I believe that, yeah. Like, you know, we go to games in Boston, we park at the Prudential Center, which is, like, 15 blocks away. You know, we walk over. Yeah, um, because there's no parking in Boston at the state like the, the the parking lots over by the stadium, which maybe are run by the Red Sox, maybe not, are like, you know, tiny. Yeah. And expensive. And so you park, you do city parking elsewhere and walk over or take a cab or whatever. Uh, yeah. We did the rickshaw that one time. Yeah, we did. Rick, we took the rickshaw that one time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's kind of fucked up because, you know, Fenway Park also is a tiny stadium. Like Wrigley yeah. Field's a tiny stadium. They they can only make like they probably make more money in ticket sales than like a lot of larger stadiums that have a worse yeah, fan base. They sell like, out. Almost right. every game or every game, yeah. Right. They're not the San Diego Padres. They are not the San Diego Padres. Milwaukee Padres. The Cincinnati Reds, right? You went to the Great American Ballpark, right? Wasn't yeah. it pretty empty? Yeah. It's a good yeah. stadium, too. It was, and the, the empty stadium I went to was Nationals Park, but that was... The year they won the World Series, but also a makeup. It was a makeup game, right? Yeah. I went to Kauffman Stadium. That was pretty empty in 
Really? Because I, I, that's where I want to go, too. I hear Kauffman Stadium real nice. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. They have, like, a crazy amount of water features in the outfield. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's where Mariano Rivera broke his knee shagging fly balls in the outfield. So. <laughs> PNC Park is still my favorite um, Overall, my favorite, like, cause, you know, it's it's not historical like Fenway or Wrigley, but, like, in terms of, and it's not my home field park, like, uh, guaranteed rate field. What, which one's PNC? The Pirates. Oh, Pirates, right. Yeah. It's real fun. Real fun. Yeah. I think Fenway is by far the nicest ballpark that I've ever been to. And even... Taking away my non-objectivity, I, it's like gorgeous in there. I think, as far as like baseball stadiums. Right. Right. And granted, the one time I went to Wrigley Field, like it was early in the season and the ivy wasn't green yet, so maybe like my situation would be different there if I went there with the full effect. Um, but I feel like you walk into Fenway Park, and it's just like. It feels like you're kind of walking back in time. You know, it's like a it's like a field of dreams sort of like feel, you know? That, I don't know because oh no trying to work through my own biases. Because I've been to Fenway twice, right? Right. And one time they asked us to stand up. Like we were paying to be there for the right to stand and watch a baseball game. Right. So I was like offended by. <laughs> right, right. Then we did get to sit. The other game, we had to turn in. A, we were on the uh, right field line, and we had to turn in our seats ninety degrees to watch what was actually happening in the right because we were staring directly at the right fielder. <laughs> So, like, those are two, like, thoughts I've had about going to games at Fenway. Right. Wrigley, I've had more of that, like, and the best part about going to a baseball game is that moment. I think you do this at every, every stadium I've been to. When you walk in and you see the field. Yeah. You're suddenly in this kind of different almost mythical world right? that, you know, makes folks fall in love with baseball. Uh, I've gotten that, I mean, I've gotten that at Fenway. I've definitely gotten that at Wrigley. One of my favorite experiences is getting to sit with the bleacher bums out at Wrigley. And it was a hot summer day, and we got so sunburned the whole day. Somebody's you know, I wasn't even, like, rocking White Sox gear at that time. I have gone to Fenway rocking White Sox gear and gotten made fun of. But uh, that day I was not. But I still got beer spilled on me. Um, that was a really fun day. Uh, yeah, I, uh, well, I don't know. The thing about Fenway is it's like you, the Green Monster, right? Which is, like... There's no other stadium in Major League Baseball that has anything resembling that, like, big wall. And when you walk into 
Fenway, if you walk into field level, which like so many of the seats are field level, like the bleachers, like you're walking in low and you're underneath like almost all of the camera angles that you see on TV and that wall looks like really big, you know? And I think that's so cool. Yeah. As far as main, like modern stadiums go, I really like City Field, which is kind of like a home ballpark to me because I like <laughs> generally go to like two, three, four games a year there. And then uh, Camden Yards in Baltimore is a gorgeous ballpark. Oh, yeah. Damn. All right. Well, maybe next year I'll do my next road trip. I have right. a road trip planned out. I was going to do Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto this year. Right, the Jays. What? I think that, like, yeah, we should plan a trip to all of the ballparks that we think are going to get torn down next. That might be the Dodgers, I bet. Dodger Stadium? Do you think so? Like I feel like it's a national landmark. Has, see, and, but... Wouldn't you have said that about old Yankee Stadium? Yeah, I guess. That's the thing, and I don't know the answer. When is that point? Like, Wrigley and Fenway have somehow, like, magically passed that point where they're now historic. Right. I thought Yankee Stadium was there, too, but they tore Yankee Stadium down. Yeah, fuck that place. Right, sure. And the new Yankee Stadium sucks, too. Hey, hey, indeed. I've been to both. They're both terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never been to Dodger Stadium. No, me either. Like, I would say the Coliseum in Oakland. Oh, I think so, actually. I think there were actually plans for that. Yeah. yeah. I'd say that would be the next one to go. And then after that, I would say... Toronto. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that mm. ballpark sucks. Or, like, I mean, they'll never pay for it, but Tampa. Yeah. That's the, the everyone's least favorite ballpark in Major League Baseball is the Tampa right. ballpark. Where you can hit a home run out by getting it lodged into the, uh, right. what's it called? Not the catwalk. Yeah, the catwalk. Right. Yeah. And also, I feel I think that it's like a twenty-minute walk from the clubhouse to the dugout, or something like that. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like you get lost in shit, you know. It's like a shitty airport underneath there. <laughs> uh, well. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening. Say, yeah, that was a little rambling, but I feel like it was good. I think it's good. I think it's good. Uh, you, I think the, the bottom line is that the owners are letting financial consideration hit in the bank of reopening baseball. Right. Uh, it, the failure to reopening baseball's baseball is not based on coronavirus at this point or health considerations at this point. Right. It's based on financial considerations. Right. They the, the league and the players union can come together on those safety things, which yeah. is good. But 
and if I can just put this at the end of it, like this kind yeah. of final, like final point, it's like the people who are like pointing blame at the players union for like being stuck on financial issues, right? Like, first of all, that's kind of the point of like a labor union is to right. negotiate. <clears throat> like that's, that's like the entire reason for the existence of a labor union is to deal with salary negotiations, right? Like you're a member of a union. I'm a union man. Right. You're a union man. That's like the point of unions is to like not get fucking like run roughshod over by the people who are making real money, you know? Right. I mean, not to say that major league baseball players are not making real money, but it's. That's part of the issue. Right. That the public thinks that they're a bunch of spoiled brats. Right. And, um, and so, so to be mad at a at the at the labor union of the major league baseball players for like being serious about money negotiations is ridiculous. That's all. Right. Um, and it's also ridiculous for billionaire owners who are running at like record revenues of their industry, like, which is major league baseball are like hemming and hawing about how they're going to be losing money. Like, fuck man, they'll lose money this year, but they'll make money next year. You know, like that's the way the fucking business goes, you know, it should. Right. So anyway, (sighs) We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. You think we'll have baseball by July 1st? No, not by July 1st, but by July 15th, I think we'll have baseball. Okay, cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. This has been Dump on the Young ostensibly a baseball podcast, but in these end times, we, uh, I just can't make that plug. Uh, my name is Joel. Uh, with me tonight has Sam. Be sure to check us out on all your social media applications. That includes Apple, iTunes, give us a review, a like, and a subscription. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud or on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump or on Facebook at Dump on the Ump. If you want to email me, dumpontheump at gmail.com. Black Lives Matter, please keep marching in the streets. We support you. Hope you are all staying safe and happy. yeah, you know, it's all good. Uh, me, it's me. not all good. <laughs> it's all terrible. Oh, dear. <laughs> your squirrels compete against your cats. Yeah. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Have a good night and a pleasant tomorrow. Where do you think I got this guitar that you're hearing today? Hey. Oh. Oh.